On this episode of Whale Cave, Matt Besser uses Pink Floyd to get the ladies, Wayne Fetterman is a ukulele hero for hipsters, and Matt Price comes clean about never going to Coachella. Whale Cave starts now. Two, one, two, three, four. Hey, everybody. This is Whale Cave. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Matt Price. I'm the host of the aforementioned Whale Cave. We have a great show today, so I don't really want to talk too much. Uh, uh, Matt Besser is on the, the, the program today, and so is Wayne Fetterman, two comedians uh, who I really, really like, so I'm really glad they're here. Um, I just watched last night uh, Freak Dance, speaking of Matt Besser. Freak Dance was written a movie written and uh, co-directed by Matt Besser. If you haven't seen it, you should uh, download it or get it on Netflix or something. It's great. Um, the music you're hearing at the top was from Neutral Milk Hotel. I'm going to play a little little excerpts of that throughout. Um, Neutral Milk Hotel was a band, if you're not familiar with them. They came out, I think, in like the mid-late 90s. They only had two albums, both of which are great. The second album, um, In the Airplane Over the Sea, is like some people – I'm not a big uh, music critic fan – but some music types, uh, aficionados, might say that's one of the best indie rock bands, uh, uh, indie rock albums of the 90s. Um, and I just saw the lead singer, Jeff Magnum, perform downtown L.A. And it was really cool because um, he hasn't performed a lot at all since, like, I, some people there were saying, like, oh, Magnum hasn't performed since, like, 98 or something. Like, it was a while, like 12, 13 years or something. So I felt really cool, and he came out. And he was really – he had a lot of anger. And you could tell if you knew the backstory that he didn't really – he seemed like he didn't really want to perform. But as the night went on, it was really – he really warmed up and it was a great show. And I was going on and on. I, I, uh, I've been working at the Cartoon Network and I was going on and on to, to somebody at the Cartoon Network about you know this how he's such a recluse and he doesn't perform. And I was going on and on. Literally, I'm telling this guy who works there like this three-minute story about how – how amazing it was, and how he he never performs. And then the the guy goes, and he's he's uh, yeah, younger, uh, much cooler guy than I'm. He goes, uh, oh yeah, I just saw him at Coachella a few days ago. And I was like, oh oh really? Oh well, so I guess he's you know he's making making it. Around. And then I did this thing which I'm trying to not do anymore in my life, which is then I tried talking about Coachella. And like, how, like, oh yeah, he must have been pretty hot there. Like, saying a lot of things about Coachella, and and then he goes, "Oh, so you've been?" And I was like, "Oh no, no, I've never been. But I've been to Lollapalooza, so I just know what festivals are like." It just got worse. It was just this rabbit hole. I went down. It was horrible. But but uh, but Jeff Magnum was great, uh, and he can't take that away from me. Um, so definitely, if you uh, if you like this music, please download it. Neutral Milk Hotel. These songs in particular. Um, well, actually, they're off both albums, but uh, the, most of the, the three, two of them, excuse me, are from uh, In the Airplane Over the Sea. All right, we're going to bring our first guest now. Uh, as I said, he just uh, wrote and co-directed uh, Freak Dance, the movie. So please see it. Uh, here he is, Matt Besser. Hey, so um, <laughs> thanks for being here. Thanks for and having me, Matt. Yeah, of course. Um, I know there are a couple of things we were talking about that you were going to talk about. Yeah. Um, 
I know you've done a, a, you've done my show. You did the at UCB. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where you uh, you sang. That's right. You I sang did. a very sad song. I can't remember what I sang now. The Highwayman song. I don't know. I don't remember. But it was it was no. It was about the war. It was it was a it was a song. Oh 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 yeah! It's actually this uh, guy. It's a really sad song about getting a letter. I'm almost going to cry thinking about the song. It's <laughs> right. one of the few songs I can play and make myself cry every time. And I can't think of the guy's name who wrote it. <laughs> right. He's this. It's the, he's a Christian uh, ballad singer, and I don't even know how I found that song. But uh, I think it's called "Letter from." A letter from war or something simple like that but i remember you were talking about it because you introed it by saying i i will probably cry <laughs> <laughs> i do all these songs and i'll chase my wife around the around my home <laughs> right, with right. songs like i'll start playing a real sad song she'll say don't play that song it's so sad <laughs> so i'll chase her with the song she'll lock the door i'll barge in <laughs> with the sad song yeah i got into really sad songs about a year ago like sad story songs like like your harry chapin's that kind of song yeah he's one of the most famous uh tom t hall you ever hear of him <laughs> no he, he's one of the country music uh story song guys johnny cash is obviously one of sure. the classics classic tearjerker the, the 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 country guys seem to have the corner on the market there yeah, well, it's, I think you can explore your sadness mm-hmm. when you're out in the country, you know. Uh, Gordon Lightfoot, another one. Yeah, and actually, I was just thinking about this the other day for some reason, but, like, I've had a pretty sad year in terms of uh, my dad died, and now I don't feel like listening to sad songs. Like, right. you would think that when you're really sad, then I'm going to go listen to a sad song. And, yeah. You know, classically, the blues or whatever. <laughs> now I just don't feel right. like... Because I feel like that's not... That sad song's not my story, and I'm not interested in that sadness. Right, yeah, no, that makes total sense. Yeah, I, I feel like when I'm in a sad songs, I, I guess the more modern sad songs, like your Bell and Sebastian's, those mm. sort of emo songs, right. those kind of cheer me up. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Even like a Nick Drake. That'll yeah, put I don't know me. him as well. Nick Drake is, uh, you probably know him from your Volkswagen commercials. Like okay. he... Pink Moon, and uh, he just, uh, if you heard it, you'd be like, oh, that guy. He was around, I think, in the early 70s. Mm-hmm. And he, um, but he has these really sad, again, sort of emo y, wispy, his very wispy voice. Right. Just a good acoustic guitar. Now, is it a story song or is just the song sad? I, I like, in particular, I like a beginning, middle, and end kind of story thing. His are mainly, it's a lot of middle, <laughs> I, I think. His yeah. are generally about, just why he's uh, it's sort of unrequited love mm-hmm. or just in general why he's sad there's another song and once again i can't remember the guy's name but uh it's song i think it's called 18 tapes and it's about this guy who knows he's dying uh as his uh when his wife is pregnant he realizes he's going to die before he can ever meet his son oh, so man. he makes a tape oh, for each of the first 18 years of his cool. life to teach him lessons of the in those eighteen years that he wouldn't be able to tell him. Oh. It's a really sad song. Whoa! Yeah, I think it's called Eighteen Tapes. Oh, that is that. When, what era is that from? Uh, that's that's pretty modern. I'd say that's no no more than five years old. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I was going to put in that classic early seventies. Yeah, it sounds like that. Wow, you that is devastatingly sad. Yeah. But the song I, I, I was thinking of when you told me what the show is about, because you're like, what songs? 
when you first put it to me, I think you said, what songs mm-hmm. have meaning to you? And like, there's a lot of bands that have meanings to me, meaning to me. And I have my favorite songs. Uh-huh. But uh, when I was just trying to think, what song has a story? So when I was in a freshman in college is when I discovered Pink Floyd. Obviously, uh-huh. I had heard them before. I would imagine a lot of people discover Pink Floyd freshman year in college for Absolutely. some reason. Even even now, I would bet. Um, because maybe it goes hand-in-hand hand with drug use, um, and it certainly did with me. I had never gotten high before or done psychedelics or any of that kind of stuff. So I got introduced to that in my freshman year of college. And uh, someone turned me on to Pink Floyd, and that got me... Um, turned on to the wall which soon became my favorite pink floyd record i I actually just saw roger waters do the wall i think last year two years ago it was pretty cool at the coliseum or at staples center the sports arena okay i think it was at staples center um anyway um but uh I love the wall because when you're getting high and when you're first getting high, you just love to analyze and talk about <laughs> yeah, things. Absolutely. If you're with other people who are in your same uh, mindset, they love to do that too. And that's just the perfect album to try to interpret. It's filled with symbolism, you know, mm-hmm. the wall. And you know, it's about mother and repression and mm-hmm. edible complex. There's just so much stuff, and especially when you're in college, you're taking all these classes and learning how to analyze yeah. and talk about things. Anarchy. Yeah. So it, it, history. Mm-hmm. There's just everything is in that mm-hmm. uh, record if you <laughs> want it to be. So there was a lot of getting high and uh, listening <laughs> to that record. So we started making our room into the perfect place to listen to that CD. It was actually CD. And I was thinking that's today. Did CDs come out in like 86? Like, I feel like this was one of my first CDs and I also have a memory of it being like, not everybody had CDs. Am I crazy? No, that's, that that sounds about right. I feel like it was mid late eighties when they, yeah, I still had records then and I've always been one behind. You know, uh-huh. I'm always a few years behind the technology. So that I think I right. had some of the first CDs in, in my memory. Like mm-hmm. I got, I got them in a box, and everybody came into my room to look at them. That's what I remember. Yeah. Like, oh, check this out! And there were certain things that people were extra excited to hear on CD, like Pink Floyd, because it is so well produced. Like Definitely. the production value is so much part of it, and hearing all the sound effects and there's so many layers. So when I got that, it was like this special thing. Let's go over to Bester's room and listen to the Pink <laughs> Floyd CD was actually a thing. So we set up the room where we had uh, – we wanted to make the perfect psychedelic experience. And I can't – it was mostly tapestries and all that kind of incense and all that bullshit. But <laughs> the cool thing, which was also in a lot of freshman rooms, if not your oh, own, yeah. were the stars on the ceiling. Did Definitely. you have that? I did not, but I – There was one in every class. few rooms I was allowed in, yeah. Right, right. So we created this whole – glow-in-the-dark universe Mm -hmm. on our ceiling (laughs) and it was trippy good times when you turn off the lights and listen to uh pink floyd black light posters any of those did not have a black light poster that would have been smart but we didn't have that it was all about the 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 star universe and to have the uh purple panther amongst that would have broken the reality (laughs) right yeah (laughs) the unicorns um but it also soon became the way to pick up chicks. Right, yeah. Okay, hang with me, ladies. 
I was an immature freshman, keep in mind. But that was one of the ways to get the ladies into the room <laughs> what, and to be able to turn off the lights. I mean, that's basically what you're trying to do was to say, hey, I got a Pink Floyd CD, compact disc. <laughs> Want to come back to our place and yeah. listen to it? <laughs> Such a cheesy line. So when, so when, so this was done a lot. We actually used that line a lot, my roommate and I. And it's working a lot, or you're just... I don't know how like, much we honestly closed the deal, but it did get ladies into the room. Sure. That it did do. And also weed. And back... Well, it's a great combo. Having weed was, yeah. was a little rare, too, actually. Yeah, so, weed, uh, stars on ceiling. Yeah. Compact disc. Compact disc. Yeah. <laughs> Is amazing. You know, having to flip this record over. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and also at the same time, I was becoming a radio DJ. That that was like mm. still one of the best things I got out of college was being uh, a college radio DJ. And um, I had a punk rock show, and it was the only punk show. And I, I was f- kind of full of myself because of that. Like I felt like everyone else was kind of behind everyone else was into u2 and u2 uh, and uh um, bob marley it seemed like every, every everything everything on campus was u2 bob marley and rem it was like that was out of every fucking window was coming those sounds right. and i was just getting so sick of that and i was so proud to be part of this punk thing which was a little more underground and pixies and shit like that anyway and you, were in, you were you were went to arkansas is that i'm from arkansas you went from arkansas okay Where'd you go? I to went school? to Amherst College. You went to Amherst, in okay. Massachusetts, yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, so I only say all that to say I, I had a little bit of ego of being a DJ. So I, I, felt I was get, it was getting me confidence. And as a freshman in college, you need that because you're <laughs> yeah. not a desirable person. You, or at least I wasn't, or most of my friends. Unless you're I was athlete. not either, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> That was my feather in my cap. I was a radio DJ, and I w- and I had the two to six a.m. shift uh. on uh, Friday night. So it was that late. That was the graveyard shift, but it was also Friday night. So there legitimately were people still partying up, and so I right. was. I did have my listeners. I came, so I came home from that. Um, six a. Now I say six a.m. That was probably too late. Maybe it was four a.m. Anyway, I came home from my shift. I was carrying my records and my CDs, and I walk into my room, and my roommate had come back from a party, you know, while I was still DJing, and he had two twins with him <laughs> on either side of him, two twin ladies on either side of him on the couch, and he was right in the middle of the wall, right. Mm-hmm. And I walk in, and they go, "Oh, hey, you're Matt Besser from that from that radio show. You're Mad Dog Matt." <laughs> yeah, Mad. Without, Dog. without question, that was the first time in my life I'd ever someone had gone, "Hey, you're right." Blah blah blah. Yeah, that probably gave me the taste of why I'm here today. But uh, I was like, yeah, that's me. Like two twin girls and they're into me and they know, they actually know my show. And so my roommates kind of give me a look like, all right, come on in here. You're kind of moving in on my action. But, uh, and I come in and we turn back off the lights and we get back into the Pink Floyd. And pretty soon my roommate, he's like, I think he gets like miffed for some reason. And he's like, I'm going to, we have two rooms. We have the main kind of room where our desks are. And then the room where the beds are. And okay, he's like, sweet. 
Yeah. So he's like, uh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm going to bed. He was a little myth. So now, <laughs> well, I'm, here with, now sure. I'm here with the two twins in the middle of them, and the lights are off, and then I start feeling a hand on my leg, <laughs> and then someone's kissing me, and then I feel another hand. It's coming from the other <laughs> side, and she's kissing me, and I'm like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> They don't know that the other one is trying to fool around with me. <laughs> and they're twins, identical twins. So, and I've just met them. So I have right. no, I, there's no zero difference between the two to right. me, right? <laughs> For my purposes in that moment. And I don't know how I made the decision, but I turned to one of them. I was like, you should go in there with my roommate. Cause you know, I was like, you know, cause I was going to choose the other one. Right. And uh, instead of just going both twins, well, that's the end of the story. Oh, okay. So, Sorry. I'm I, jumping ahead. I, I, did I have sex that night or get a blowjob or something like that? I can't even remember. It, I, I was happy with the results that night, whatever, okay, sure. whatever it was, because definitely that wasn't usual for me. But then the next day, when I went to breakfast with my friend, he was like, "Thanks a lot for blowing it for me." I'm like, "What are you talking about? I sent in." I sent one of them in here. <laughs> right. He's like, I know, but I could have had sex with both of them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, do you not know about those twins? They're known for fucking people as a duo all over campus. No. <laughs> so I was like, what? Mad dog. I totally fucked it. <laughs> but the one song that I would, that I pull from that memory is probably the most obscure song on that whole album, and it's definitely the shortest Pink Floyd song, I'd bet. Is uh, And I'll sing the whole song right now. <laughs> Does anyone in here remember Vera Lynn? <laughs> How she said that we would meet again some summer day. <laughs> and there's this pause. Vera! <laughs> Vera, what has become of you? Does anybody else in here feel the way I do? Bum, bum. Now, you remember what happens next? No. Do you remember? It goes into, bring the boys back home. And we just, we always just scream that. And that almost lost the deal with the girls. <laughs> Bring the boys back home. You know that song, Yeah, right? I do. It's I, so, yeah. you have to scream that yeah. lyric. So when you're in that moment, when that song comes on, I mean, you're not, you're, making out or whatever you're not taking the pause no to at do that the point bit. it was earlier and we're showing off because that's like something my roommate we, we knew the lyrics <laughs> right. to vera so we'd sing that yeah. and then you scream it transitions into bring the boys back home and you yeah. scream that and you get a few laughs i was gonna ask you if you thought of maybe changing the music up because the ladies were there but that seems to also be the draw it's almost a blessing and a curse because you're like the wall you know you have the yeah. compact disc yeah so you, it's, but the wall is a very, that's, I imagine. It's mellow and puts you asleep, you mean? Well, yeah. It's, you know, it's a very sad album. It's a hard album to listen to, to have a threesome to. Yeah, if you're going to fully invest in the <laughs> yeah. story, that is definitely true. I yeah. guess we looked at it more as a way of showing off. Absolutely. Like, this is trippy. 
listening to how smart I am and talking about repression. Yeah. Yeah, oh, no question. So uh, I've never been one <laughs> to change the music for sex, though. Like right. that whole thing of put on some Barry White. Like I've never no. gotten that. Like I, there's definitely music that's like so dissonant that you can't have it on just because it's it's just disturbing and takes you out of it. Right. But, yeah. Uh, like you want know, death metal on. Right. Or, Probably. Or to me, even jazz, like anything that's kind of disjointed, oh, not right. rhythmic, yeah. is, is not good either. But uh, or lyrics like a story song, like you can't help but listen to it. You're like, right. Like uh, you don't want Luca on <laughs> <laughs> when you're trying to have a threesome. <laughs> right. Poor Luca. <laughs> Poor Luca, indeed. Um, but so no, I've you- never wanted to been put on. Let's put on some hip hop or some soul or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's either whatever's on or yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Although you could throw a purple rain on. Yes. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, and was there any sort of, that was it with the twins, I assume yeah. that's it. Twins. Yeah. That's a, what a terrible reputation to have. Those are the twins that. But I guess they were into it together. though, because they knew. That's true. And they had had sex with another guy in our same hallway, both of them really? together, and come back to him several times. Did he have any CDs or any? No, just must have just a big good old, dick. Good old fashioned. <laughs> <laughs> the good old fashioned big dick draw. Yeah. <laughs> old school. I don't need CDs. I got this guy. Yeah, that was it. Um. I guess the other thing I was thinking about was, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I'm from Arkansas. And back in those days, the early 80s and before, there wasn't the internet. So any Mm -hmm. musical discovery usually either came from your parents or a local band. or It really was an exciting thing when you heard a different type of music. So punk rock to my group in Little Rock, Arkansas was definitely a life changing experience. Um, the first, the first was, was probably sex pistols and minor threat and a lot of English bands and Ramones and stuff. Um, but the first song, if I was going to pick a song would have to be, uh, the song called pay to come by the bad brains. Mm-hmm. You're familiar with that song. Mm-hmm. It's a really fucking fast yeah. song and not only are the guitars fast but he sings unbelievably fast and has a lot of words in it yeah they're they're blistering they just and they're short these songs yeah they're like yeah, a minute and a half yeah like, exactly that's quite a minute and a half fast. song yeah so that song blew me away and the fact they were all black guys that was another level that was like wow they're all black guys yeah. they're in one of the first hardcore groups they're fucking faster than just about anybody if yeah. not faster than everybody and this guy, HR, the lead singer, was just, if you ever saw a video of him, was just a maniac on stage. Hmm. And apparently, maniac off stage. But um, unbelievable. And I never, so in Little Rock, Arkansas, that was like, you'd go on vacation to Boston or San Francisco and go to a record store and buy that record and take it back to Little Rock. And it was like going to China and bringing back Silk, you know. Yeah. And like, once again, it was, Besser's got a new record from <laughs> out of town. It was. He's a mad dog. <laughs> Mad Dog was based on me drinking Mogan David uh, for every. Show. Oh, really? Yeah. Mad Dog 2020. Um, but anyway, so I never got to see any punk bands in Little Rock. They didn't come in Little Rock. Sure. And yeah. the ones that did were 
not truly punk. They're more like garage rock or whatever. And they so, definitely weren't the all black punk. Band. Yeah, and they weren't even the seminal <laughs> band. I think we did get the Meat Men and maybe the Meat Puppets, but we didn't get the kind of we didn't get one of my bands I was really into. So when I went to finally went to college, I got to see. I think once again it was my freshman year in college. The Bad Brains were playing at Hampshire College, which was about a mile away from Amherst. And I was like, oh my god. Can't believe I'm going to get to see my first real punk concert and when my favorite bands. Mm-hmm. And I go there, and it was inside the Hampshire uh, cafeteria. And the only reason that's relevant is the ceilings were really low. And I didn't think much about that. But once they started, I still to this day have never experienced anything so loud. Maybe <laughs> the Long Beach car rate uh, Grand Prix was that equally as loud. But, uh, they were so fucking loud, and this, I think it's because also the ceilings and like uh, a hard floor and like hard floors and. But I wanted to be there so bad, but it hurt my ears, Matt. <laughs> like I was like, "Holy fuck! I cannot be." I kept backing up, kept backing up until <laughs> I was at the very back, and everyone else didn't seem to have a problem with it. That's what's weird to me. Maybe they knew to put. Right, toilet paper in the air or whatever, but yeah. I wasn't doing that. And I was like, God, I gotta be here. This is <laughs> physically hurting me. So I can't remember if this was after the show or before the show, but I saw uh, them hanging out backstage. I'm like, I'm gonna go get one of them high. <laughs> so I go up to Doctor No, he's the guitarist, and um, and I said, Hey, man. Huge fan. I love you guys. Do you want to get high? And he what he was like, sure. And he took my joint and he walked away from me to a corner <laughs> and smoked my whole joint by himself. <laughs> and then just kinda waved at me. Thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah. And that was the end of that. No etiquette. Not the typical Stephen Wright did that exact same thing to me too, as far oh, as really? that goes. Yeah. I saw Stephen Wright at Aspen, um, my first year at Aspen. I went to him like, same thing. Hey, man. Actually, he came up to me. He said, uh, I hear you have some weed. I'm like, yeah. You want me to get you high? He's like, yeah. And I gave him my one hitter, and he did the same thing. He walked over to a corner by himself and got high by himself. Stephen Wright, I could see that, you know, <laughs> see him living in his own universe. That was a bummer, Dr. though. Dr. No, though. I think Dr. No would have a, you know, yeah. chat. Yeah. Something. Those Jamaicans, though, they smoke those joints like cigarettes. Maybe that's it. He's just, yeah, he's just, you know, like just bumming a, Except for, I don't he's think bumming he's a square. Now, you meet a lot. I feel like um, you meet a lot of guys, musicians that do ASCAT now, right? Have you, has there just been. met a, one of my heroes. Yeah, I was going to say, you must meet people. Is that exciting? Yeah, I've met two of my heroes doing it. If not three and one soon became not my hero after doing oh, oh really such an asshole. oh really Joel Bafra was a little bit of an ass he did it he was so concerned about selling his CDs afterwards he, and <laughs> oh, really? he just wasn't really hanging with us backstage it was more like we were just another stop on his tour so he was a little bit of a bummer I still think he's a genius but he was he wasn't some of the heroes you want to keep at a distance. You know I, what I mean? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask if that was if it affected you, but it sounds like it didn't. Um, well, yeah, I mean, still I mean, love it, his music. It tainted it, but you, yeah. And then uh, Steve Albini from Shellac and Big Black. He's done monologues several times. Right. He's always been. 
hugely inspirational to me. Because not only is he just a great musician, but I've always loved his stage banter and the way he does interviews. He's just a completely brutally honest guy. Yeah. I like how he produces bands that he doesn't like. And then he'll say later, no, I didn't really like that. <laughs> right. I recorded it and I did the best I can, but it was a piece of shit. Yeah. That's you know? like, so great. Yeah. But uh, the best one had to be Ian MacKay, who was um, just a month ago from Minor Threat. Mm. He, he did monologues. And that guy, I mean, what a fucking hero. I don't know how much you know about that guy. A little he, bit. He's Not like, a lot. he's just, he's just a guru. Um, well, you know, he started Minor Threat in Fugazi and supposedly started Straight Edge, even though that wasn't really, it was more lyrics in a song than a movement he wanted to start. Right. Um, but he just did Ask Cat, and the guy's just so nice and so filled with stories and had so many experiences and so truly interested in how comedy and improv works. Like, it's one thing to pick the brain of your hero, but to have him pick your brain back is like, yeah. oh, you're really interested in how long form works? Let me right. tell you, that's really cool, too. Yeah. And do you know that, that picture that's on the Minor Threat shirt, the classic Minor Threat shirt? They're sitting on a porch. And they're all just kind of sitting there. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's on one of their record covers, too. Mm. If you saw it, you go, oh, right, yeah, I've maybe. seen that. Anyway, so I was in D.C. Uh, touring my movie Freak Dance just last week. And he said, come on by. I'll give you a tour of the Discord house. And I was like, fuck, yeah, you will. And I went <laughs> there and... He's like, this is where we recorded this, and this is where we do that. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And then we're leaving, and all of a sudden I realize I'm on the fucking minor threat porch right, right. now. He's like, this is the porch. I'm like, this is the porch. This is the porch. <laughs> so I was like, can you take a picture with me on the porch? <laughs> 44-year-old man acting like a that's great fanboy. And we sat down and took a picture on the porch. And right afterwards, I'm calling my friends from my house to go, I took a picture on the, the porch. That's the awesome. fucking minor threat porch. And then you give him a joint and he stood in the corner. <laughs> Except for he's straight edge, man. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Like, actually, when... I usually drink a beer with at Ascat, not that night. You respect it, Straight Edge? <laughs> not that he gives a fucking yeah, shit. I know. I need this whole green room to be Straight Edge. <laughs> I'm out of here. He is known for Fugazi for being very anti-slam uh, dancing and just... Oh, really? Aggression or just violent dancing that's bugging people. Right. And if there's that pit, it's I guess it's cool. But if the pit kind of starts getting out towards everybody else, who doesn't someone want to in the in pit yet. who's acting like an asshole, he will stop the show mid-song. And I've seen this. I've been at a show where have you been at a show when he does that, where he just stops and he'll go, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play anymore until you stop slam dancing." Really? Yeah, and everyone thinks it's a joke for a while, and then they just fucking stand up yeah. there until everyone stops. It's really? so crazy, but so good. I just started listening to Woo Gazi. I don't know if you've mm. have you have you heard that? I've heard of it, but where can I find it? It's, there's actually just a website you can just download the whole thing. Mm -hmm. They have a couple albums to just uh, yeah. I don't know if it's WooDazi.com, but now is it a mashup or is it's it a mashup new? of Wu Tang Clan and Fugazi? But I wonder if he doesn't like sort of the violent because you know Wu Tang Clan is pretty pretty violent. Well, so is. My threat was pretty violent, too. Right, but if he's moved... Not Fugazi, though. You know, moved past it. But Fugazi, <laughs> I recommend. I wonder if he has heard that. Yeah. I, he has to have heard yeah, it. Yeah, I guess If so. I've heard it. Yeah. I would think... It's, I've heard it, like, two years ago. It's been out there, right? 
Uh, I heard of it last year. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm a couple. I saw, I, a year or two behind. I saw someone with the tattoo of it actually. Oh, really? Yeah, like, it's really oh, good. Very cool. I have to say, especially if you like Fugazi. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's great. Well, thanks so much. Thanks, man. It's fun telling those stories. Yeah, and well, uh, sorry to those twins. I didn't want to objectify you, and you know, but twins. Hey, they, it's, 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 it's like an, you know, Fonzie taught us. It's, that's the coolest thing. Yeah, definitely. No, you wanted to jump the shark. <laughs> jump those sharks. You wanted to jump those that's sharks. That's right. Uh, well, thank you very much. Thanks, man. Can I plug my movie? Oh, yeah. I was going to plug it. I, I, you I, do uh, that. I did plug it at the beginning. Oh, I did. yes, you did. I heard that. <laughs> but plug it again, please. Yeah, Freak Dance. Uh, Freak Dance is a movie. It's a musical movie. Uh, Matt's actually seen it, but we... It's a crazy Rocky Horror Picture Show type of absurd movie, more than a parody of dance movies. But that's the easiest way to to say it. But it's it's out on video on demand, and you can get the soundtrack on iTunes or any place you can get those kind of things. And are you still touring with it? No, um, no, I'm not. I will be at Bonnaroo, but uh, oh, great! I don't know if this will come out before then. Okay, um, yeah, I I uh, I will mention again that mm-hmm. I. Uh, I saw Freak Dance. It's excellent. I saw the stage version. It was excellent. Uh, but it's it's really you wrote and you wrote and co-directed it. Yeah. Right. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's excellent. So definitely get it. Watch Thanks, it. Man. Get it and watch it, and get it for other people. All right. Cool. Matt Besser. Thank you. Thanks, Well Cave. All right, that was Matt Besser, everybody, here on Whale Cave. Before I bring out uh, the next guest, uh, I Besser and I were talking a little bit about the wall before uh, when, when I asked him if he'd be on the show, and so I, I listened to it twice in a row, which is a huge mistake, a terrible idea. I hadn't heard it in a while, and I really love the wall. I mean, I used to listen to it quite a bit um, on vinyl, but... I hadn't listened to it in a long time. The whole thing, it's very haunting, especially twice in a row. And then I happened to have a hot dog, and then I went to sleep. And then I had a horrible nightmare about uh, coaching a Little League team, going back to my old school where a kid lit the school on fire. And then I uh, had all these bandages. It was horrible, and I attribute that to listening to the wall. So thank you, Matt Besser. For uh, reminding me of that. Uh, oh, right now, I'm going to bring out our uh, the next guest, uh, who's really funny. He was one of the first people I ever saw perform when I moved to L.A., and um, I always thought he was very funny, so I'm really glad he's here. Uh, Wayne Fetterman, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for bringing me out. Bringing me out. <laughs> yeah. Wayne <laughs> Fetterman, like ladies and gentlemen. really accurate what's happening here. I'm bringing you, you know, out. No, I'm sitting here and you're introducing me. You're right. I'm sorry. Ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, sitting across from me in a room. Bringing me out. Is way- Did I say bringing me yes, out? I'm so used to saying bringing me out. I know. That's out. what I'm saying. You're on autopilot. Right. This is all Be new to me. Be here now. Be here This now. is all new to me, this whole <clears throat> podcast thing. Well, I like your uh, very high energy podcast voice. Is it still low energy? <laughs> it's good. I like it. That's the way it's supposed to be. But we're, we are just – see, that's the contradiction in a way because we, we're not on stage. So I am trying to – are you gargling? <laughs> no, I was. I was gargling a little bit. <laughs> this is real, man. This is real. Because we're not on stage, so I am trying to have a more conversational voice. On the same time, apparently, I'm still saying sort of the – Right. Uh, cliché. Cliché uh, yeah. phrases. Right. We're learning. I'm We're learning, learning here, Wayne. I, I don't know what whale cave means. So, a whale cave is um, 
is – it's something my nephew and I we, – when we build a fort – Mm-hmm. Instead of just calling it a fort, he calls oh, it a whale cave. Nice. So we're whales inside a cave, and it's you know, that's what it is. Is this your sister's kid? It is my sister's kid. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> 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 right, because my my brother's kid wouldn't do that. No. Yeah. All right. Of course, it would be a fort. Yeah, that would just be my old school kid fort with whale a, cave with a you know yeah. cardboard. Yeah. It, no. <clears throat> No, this is a this is my sister's kid. Well, thanks for being on the show. You're welcome. It's great to be here. The studio looks great, and um, there's something wrong with my voice, but I'm gonna we're gonna work it through. Yeah, we've got some Arrowhead water there. Yeah, yeah. If you need it, they're a sponsor. Yeah, and yeah. we're here to talk about music, which is great because music. I'm not only obviously like every. I think everyone's a fan of music, right? There's no one who's like ah music. Can I tell you something? What's that? I don't. Uh, the I, former I've told the story before, but the, on the I think one of the first episodes, yeah. I I talked about a guy who I ran into. Mm-hmm. That was part of the reason I wanted to do this podcast. I ran into a guy at a party, and he mm-hmm. said, "My friend and I were talking about a concert," and he came up to us and he was like, "Talking about music again," and he proceeded to tell us he didn't like music. Oh, well, yeah, all right. So that's a weird guy, but it's a weird guy. It's yeah. a weird guy. But let me say this: he's got a headshot with a parrot on his shoulder. <laughs> okay. Serious. With that, yeah. what's weird about that? No, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that's weird. The right. Yeah, that seems normal. And then that guy yes. with the parrot would also hold yeah, that yeah. opinion. Parrot is, guy. Okay. Uh, this is the thing about music. I mean, even about talking about music, there is a. I kind of understand on a certain level, like someone who would be against talking about music. Mm-hmm. Just like you listen to it, you enjoy it. That's leave it alone. Right. Like that, I could understand. But like music sucks. Yes. Oh, I love it. Yeah. No, I'm a, I'm a, I like, I go, I go back to like the Beatles, the Beatles. I don't know if you remember that group. Hmm? Nope. Yeah. Well, because I didn't know this group. I wrote it. I don't know Minor Threat. Like, I don't know that band. Like, we're seminal punk band. Okay. Because I was around when punk was breaking in the 70s. -hmm. And these were the two bands we listened to. We listened to, uh, the Ramones, which I saw like when I went to NYU down at CBGB's. Oh, you saw them live? Yeah, 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 yeah. Didn't love. This was the thing. I said, Didn't love them. Did not love them. I know it's embarrassing. I know I should be saying they were phenomenal and all of that. Didn't love them. Didn't Did- think they were going anywhere. No, I thought they, they were already kind of like by the time I saw them, they were already like the thing. But I, I, because punk rock was a reaction to like big arena rock that was going on mm-hmm. and like i loved i just didn't think they were as good as led zeppelin like like everyone's like why are you listening to right i'm like because they're phenomenal and yeah so it was like i saw them and then there was this band called the dead boys which i'm sure you've never heard i've of. never heard of the dead Boys. yeah yeah they were the other like we brought them to our college they were kind of like the band our freshman class adopted they were out of ohio and i think the guy killed himself oh yeah, it's very punk, very full on. Yeah, that's the way you have to do it, right? That's anarchy to the fullest. Degree. Yeah, yeah, complete, complete. Yeah. So, um, but I, I love it. I mean, I love every era of music. But I think it's interesting, like, like how music imprints itself on you. Like when you're growing up, mm-hmm. like the music you listen to, especially like between the ages of like maybe eight or nine and seventeen, just like. Whenever you hear, you're just oh, that's the greatest song ever. Like oh, it just so happens you were 15 when you heard this. Interesting that the greatest song ever written was that song. Does that still does that music for you still hold up today? (laughs) 
Um, I try to. I try to. Uh, uh, what's the word? Like take like a discount. I try to discount music. Like twenty, I like take twenty percent off music that I heard at that age. <laughs> so it sort of, so I feel like I can give it all like a uh, even playing field. Okay, does that make any sense? Sort of, yeah, yeah. So, um, but the, he was talking. Uh, Matt was talking earlier. Um, I know there's a lot of Matts, but uh, it's all right. Matt Besser, yes, Matt Besser was talking about Pink Floyd, which was a very important band for me, but not because of uh, I love their music. I did like their music. And I, I'm more of a Dark Side of the Moon than The Wall. Sure. Like, I just thought that album was better for me. That's also more threesome-friendly, by the way. I meant, to, <laughs> I meant to tell Matt that. God. I think. I've never had anything Us and close them. to that. Yeah. Um, but there was, uh, there was a concert, a Pink Floyd concert I went to, like when the band came back in 87 and was playing the sports arena. So it was like small. It wasn't a big thing. And this was the first time without Roger Waters. Mm-hmm. And it was just... And amazing, they played everything. It was just a great show, and uh, and I ended up writing like a like a whole routine about going to see Pink Floyd. One of one of my favorite jokes was the everyone was chanting, "We don't need no education." <laughs> I'm like, that's a double negative. <laughs> that actually means you do need education. Yeah, it's kind of ironic that they're chanting this. Everyone, I don't know. So I so I ended up doing. There was a show called MTV Half Hour Comedy Hour. Mm-hmm. So I ended up doing that routine, on, and it sort of like helped my career. So I've, through the years, I've, I'm always doing music jokes, have music in my act. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one joke I couldn't get to work was one about uh, <clears throat> Brian Setzer. Do you remember him from the Stray Cats? Yeah, sure. And then it went something like in the 80s, he was playing 50s rockabilly, and then in the 90s, he started playing 40s swing. And now he's just doing minstrel tunes. It's really sad. <laughs> I couldn't get anyone to laugh. I always thought it was a brilliant kind of observation, nothing. But uh, You should do his roast, maybe. <laughs> the sets of roast that everyone wants so and then, badly. And then Kiss and, the, you know, all of those. That band I saw, which was – and then I ended up writing a routine about Kiss, which is – my angle on Kiss is basically – when you break it down, they're more magicians than musicians because <laughs> it's like misdirect. Mm-hmm. Like their whole thing is designed to distract you from their music. Right. So they're like, oh, my God, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's fire coming out of his mouth. Yeah. Don't pay any attention to this song. <laughs> Where's like, that cat going? <laughs> right. He's going to yeah. scratch the curtains. We yeah. don't know. We yeah. don't. <laughs> and that was the whole thing about the cat was like, how did he get in? The, like, like there's like the spaceman, the devil. The lover, house pet. He just doesn't fit in like the archetypes of the. Well, he's an angry cat. He was angry. Yeah, he's I think not. he got kicked out. Right? The cat did. I think I'm pretty sure. Uh, maybe now, maybe it was the, uh, it was the guitar player. Hmm. Maybe it was, I don't know. Somebody like bought their persona. Like the band like bought out that persona. They went through so much. Right. Right. Yeah, I just think that's. Um, and they. Uh, and then I remember they would close with I Want to Rock and Roll All Night and Party Every Day. Mm-hmm. That's their big hit. And then I would look at my watch and it would be like 1040. Like, <laughs> all right, this is not all night. Right. <laughs> I want to rock and roll until the news is <laughs> Right, right, exactly. Till 11 and then, until Seinfeld comes on at 11. Yeah. Party every day. <laughs> Tomorrow. Tomorrow. So it was good. But no, I lo- but I'm like, I mean, it's old music. I'm into jazz a little bit. Um 
But I even remember, like, when the Beatles came to America. Like, that's how old I am. Like, I remember, like, as a little kid in Washington. I grew up in Washington, Mm D.C., and that's really where Beatlemania started. Like, they would, like, there was this, I don't know why, like, the first concert they ever played was in D.C., and I think, like, some radio stations started touting them, which is weird because you would think New York, but it was now it was D.C. Were you, how old were you at that? Like, Four or five or something like, but I had older brothers and sisters who was like it was like a big thing. I was like, going to say, so they were they must have been. Oh yeah, my sister had that. There was an album called Meet the Beatles. Meet the Beatles, yeah, yeah. But it's weird when the Beatles like later when I got into and just like reflected back on it, like those those albums we listened to as kids, like Beatles don't even consider them albums because mm-hmm. they weren't the English albums that they put together in the studio. Right, right. Did. What, were you influenced by your brother and sister a lot? Did I they? would think so. I would think so. But I think when Zeppelin came, like when they came, like that was, I was like 10, 69 when they broke. So like when they hit, I was like, oh, this is like my music. This like, is pure Wayne. This is all, this is all yeah. about the Wayne. Yeah. So I really liked that band. And it was like, like from the get go, like oh, from sure. the first, their first. And they don't, I don't know if you know this, they got like horrible horrible uh, reviews when they came out. Oh, did they really? Oh, you should read the Rolling Stones, how much they trash. Rolling Stone magazine trashed that band. Really? Yeah. Just uh, the terrible, derivative, another English blues bass band. Wow. For just in, in their early, not later, not physical graffiti stuff, but later. I don't know. I, don't, I think, because I, if I'm not mistaken, I think the band boycotted Rolling Stones. I'm not sure oh. eventually what happened, but it was just like they were trashed. Really? It was just like, this is terrible. Yeah. And but the kids like my you know my whatever the kid we're like the teenager we love that band and there's no discount on them that's you don't take twenty percent off it's them just, well you never know if the band you like as a kid is going to have any kind of staying power right like you just don't know I mean I could have just as easily been like a oh, Grand Funk Railroad is my band <laughs> yeah. which were not they were not a bad band and they, I did listen to that band but it was like way more I just felt like they were state of the art as far as recording and stuff. Led Zeppelin? I think so. I think so. Yeah. And if you were going to ask me, like, my favorite song of, like, the rock era, it would be this Led Zeppelin song called Heartbreaker. I don't know if you're familiar with it. You're probably not. You're looking at me. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know why I'm yelling. Um, Yeah, it's, if you you listen to the song, well, you listen to it tonight, maybe. Like, if you, especially headphone it, like, you can hear, like, the like not only the crackle in the bass guitar in mm-hmm. that amplifier, but you can also hear like this. The amp is kind of breathing. There's like it's just a very exciting. All right. When I was a kid, I loved going to California. You did, yeah. See, interesting. I'm not as and much I, into that. I know. You ended up going to California. And, and I was going to say when I ended up moving to California, I was like, "Damn it, I really don't want to move to California." But that song came back to me at it that did. time. Yeah. Did you ever see them at all? No. No. Did you ever see Live Aid? Are you old enough for Live Aid? I saw it on MTV. On t- uh, yeah, was it eighty four? Would you have been old enough to watch I TV? Was Twelve, yeah. Because I remember in eighty four, the big thing was Led Zeppelin's reuniting for Live Aid after you know Bonham had died and stuff, and it was ter- not a good set, not good at all. I don't even remember them on it. Yeah, I remember Phil Collins going back and forth. Yes, that's Phil Collins. I was like, oh wow, yeah, he- I love it. Yeah, he studio. Uh, I don't even know if the studio is out. <laughs> yeah, he started in England, took the Concord, and yeah. ended up playing in Philly with Zeppelin. 
and it was not it was not good. And I remember thinking at the time, like as a kid, I always wanted to play guitar like Jimmy Page. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, now I can, because he's, you- he's terrible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm better than Jimmy Page. No, it was like that. Like, oh, yes, now I can play guitar exactly like Jimmy Page. But you were saying before we were talking a little bit about yeah. ukulele. Uh-huh. Did that – can you talk a little bit about that? Did that um, Did that come out of you wanting to play guitar? Well, this or is the, do you play guitar? Or I, I taught myself the ukulele. The thing was I always, like – there was a comedian. When, one of the first comedians I saw as a kid was this guy, Victor Borga. Mm-hmm. He was a piano comedian. He's dead now. And I'm sorry. It's all right. It's all okay. right. And anyway, Victor was like, he's just like, gr- I just love the idea of incorporating music and comedy. It just appealed to me. Yeah. So I always wanted to do this. I didn't know how. I was just doing straight stand-up. And then I started playing the ukulele. And I kind of electrified it. And then played Jimi Hendrix. And that got me on. That got me my SAG card. I got on television doing mm. that bit. It was like very, it was, it was really fun. So. And now, to this day, like, kids know that, because there's a clip on YouTube of me playing Hendrix. Um, they know that. And now I do festivals, ukulele festivals. Mm-hmm. And with, you were, with hipster kids who love the, the ukulele. Right. You were saying there's sort of a new movement. It's ridiculous. A youth it's gotta, movement. It's, it's got to burn out soon. It's, got, it's, got, it's like... I feel it's like, like there's a lot of staying power in... The uke? The new ukulele movement. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just feel like it's very, uh, I, I, who knows? It who has knows? limits. It has limits. Who knows? There's I mean, I, actually, it ha- I think part of it is uh, that you can easily upload a song onto YouTube, playing the uke in your room in front of the computer. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it has that, unlike a guitar, even more than a guitar, because it's easily to get into frame. Right. But, no, I loved, I, I love playing it. The ukulele, and I was just in England playing it the other day. Not the other day, last year. Right. Last year. The the comedic other day. Yes, yeah. Like the, the comedy the other thing day. That, right. Bring him out. Bring out Wayne Fetterman. Wow. So you, I, I had no idea you were like this sort of no. ukulele. You kind of keep that quiet a little bit. I know. Like in the ukulele world, I'm a little bit of a legend. In the comedic world, I, my stock has fallen <laughs> horribly. No way. Yeah, but in the uh, so what do you wait? I didn't had no idea. I was one of the first comedians you saw when you moved out here. Yeah, yeah. I want to say you were doing Largo. Is that mm-hmm. sound right? Yes, I'd yeah. heard about Largo a lot when I lived in New York. It was uh, it was one of those things where I was like, lame. Like I had never you right, know, I was right. just jealous. Yeah. Um, well, what rooms were you playing in New York? Because I, I know we're we're. Delving into the comedy here. Is this all right? Or will this Whatever, get deleted? Yeah. Will this... This, this, yeah, this will all come out. <laughs> okay. No, no. This this can stay. Okay. Um, I was doing all those sort of alternative rooms. Pianos? Pianos? I was not doing pianos. Were you doing Rafifi? I was. I think I was gone before Rafifi. You were? I think so, because I left in 99. I don't uh-huh. think Rafifi was still there. Is that... I don't know. I mean, I was... I Luna was, Lounge was just... Luna, and, right. And I, Stella, the state guys of the show called Stella at um, Akbar, which was a big show. And uh, there were some other shows. And I didn't do the big shows a lot. We attended right Who was your guy? Who was your guy? Me, like, Nash, Jason Nash, and Blyde, Mike Blyde. Uh, had a trio at the oh, time. Oh, right, 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 sm- right. For a right. small window of time at the end, at the late 90s, we were doing stuff. Before that, I was with my improv troupe, Highly Improbable. And we would perform 
at more of the clubs, right. like Carolines and that kind of thing. Oh, really? But again, like the early show. They was were Carolines at the Seaport back then? It was not at the Seaport. No. We, you know there was a Carolines even before the Seaport. I didn't know there was a Carolines at the Seaport. What? You yeah. only know the Broadway Carolines? I just know the Broadway Carolines. Oh, man. Yeah. That is weird. Yeah. We played Catch Rising Star a lot. That was our big place, which is now gone. Completely gone. Completely gone. That is weird. Catch was like such the hottest club. Do you have any idea what happened? Yeah, I don't know. I just was, remember they started booking you guys, and that was it. <laughs> Our big joke was we saw um, Rick. What was his name? Rick Newman. Rick Newman, yeah. who we loved, who's so nice to us. But once Nash saw him on the subway, and he didn't have his his uh, his uh, swipe card. Yeah. Oh no! And yeah. so I think he. I don't know if he asked Nash. Something happened where he was like, "Hey, can you swipe me through? Can you swipe me through?" <laughs> and we it. thought that's the end. You knew right. Catch there. is going down. Oh, man. But I, I think he just forgot it. But I, when I was there, I heard of Largo, and um, like I heard, oh, like there's this band, there's this group, Tenacious D. Yeah. And I was like, Psh, they can't be that funny. And then I moved out here, and I was like, oh my god, everyone's way funnier than me. Like uh. we have to start over. Because I did. I went to Largo, and it was, you know, it was amazing. And I think you were there, and I know Paul Tompkins was there. Paul for Tompkins. Paul for Tompkins was yeah. there. Patton. I mean, just you know, people I. I really respect. What happened to those guys? I have no it's idea. It's weird. It's weird. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, but I never saw you play. I wish I saw you play the ukulele. No, I, you, you never Before saw you me quit play on piano? It. Yeah, because I moved over to piano. I wanted something a little more portable. I must have seen you play piano. Yeah, exactly. More, <laughs> the uke was not so much. much easier to roll Much in. easier for me to yeah. do a show. Put in the car. Less cumbersome yeah. than the little ukulele. So that's what you do now. You play a little yeah, piano. Yeah, I play piano now. Okay. Yeah. Have so, you, and you taught yourself? Everything. Wow. The only instrument I ever uh, took a lesson on was drums as a kid. Hmm. And I gave up drums when I moved to college because I was like, can't really my roommate hey i'm your new roommate excuse me while i set up my, yeah, my five peats kid with the yeah. zildjian symbols yeah so i just gave i gave up drum and i wasn't great at, as a drummer i was good but not great do you have to be great though i feel like you could well pull I, off good in college especially in college yeah i but that could have been your thing that could have been your compact disc besser had his compact disc you could have had your drums oh man and i could still play i was just there was this other kid in like this is like goes back to junior high school when we played. We we're both drummers, and there was this song. Uh, God, what was it? Oh, it was a Grand Funk song. It was called. Uh, <laughs> you love Grand Funk. No, I was listening to them back then. American Band. Do you know that song? And yeah. there's uh, we're in America. We're America yeah. yeah, there was somebody covered. We're coming it. to your town, right? We'll help you party it down. Sure. We're an American, we're an American band. band. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> but at the beginning, there's like this triplet thing, this diggity, 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 diggity. And he could do it like that, and like a month of me trying, and I couldn't nail. I was just like, that's, I can't do that. I'm just, I was just not gifted. Like he got it. Well, it's a time, isn't it? Just a timer in your head. You either okay, have it or you don't. Have sort of. to yell at me. I feel I'm, bad. I'm about trying to it. pick up the volume now. <laughs> <laughs> you are right. I'm very conscious of that now. Sorry about that. Andy no, but, Daly was a junior high school drummer. He was? Yep. I feel like there are a lot of uh, – I'm learning through this podcast. There are a lot of comedians who I really, really respect who have this sort of musical background that they're, well, there they're was, suppressing. That's why I'm going to bring it out to the uh, – Well, I would have brought my ukulele, but the uh, – I feel time. like – I do feel like there is a connection between the 
timing in comedy and the timing in music. Definitely. You agree with that? Yes. When you said definitely, that means you agree. And yeah. That's, okay. that's how I know definitely to mean. Yeah, that's, that's what I yeah. just I didn't know if you were being sarcastic. I didn't know. No. Ironic. That's I know sarcastic. that's part. <laughs> yeah. So you agree with that? I do agree with that, for sure. Yeah. But you're not musical at all. I played I I I have actually have a ukulele. Uh, what kind? Which a? Uh, my, my voice. It's a very. <laughs> I don't know what kind, except it's it's a very modern looking ukulele. Oh. It looks like a kind of a half a trapezoid, maybe. It's sort mm-hmm. of angled at the bottom, right? So it doesn't. People see it and they're like, "Huh?" And then they see the four strings, but they don't. It. I feel like I, I wish I had a real ukulele. Have you taught? I mean, has anyone taught you? No. Do you want me to give you free ukulele lessons right now? Well, I can't right now, but I will Just come over and we'll do it. I'd love it. I would love it. Yeah, I, I'm complete. I'm a great teacher because I'm self-taught. Okay. Yeah, and here's. Would a, you teach me how to self-teach? That's a good question. <laughs> it kind of folds in on itself. Yeah. Um, when I was in England doing this ukulele festival, in Great mm-hmm. Britain, I had to do a, a workshop. Not had to. They're like, "Would you like to?" And I was like, "But I'd like to." I mean, of course, I would like sure. to do a workshop. So it sold out, all these Brits there, and it was it was called Beginning Ukulele Tricks and Tips with mm-hmm. Wayne Fetterman. <laughs> and <laughs> Tricks and tips. So I, so I had a few tricks that I could show them that, you know, just fancy stuff to make it seem like you're better than you are. Sure. my goal in life. <laughs> and But the song I picked to teach them was like, what song? What song are they all going to know that's easy to play? So I picked the Beatles song, Rocky Raccoon, like off the White Album. Like I figured they're all going to know it. Hmm. I, 90% of the people had never heard of the song. Oh, really? They live in England. The Beatles <laughs> how, are their thing. How old were they? All ages. Okay. All It wasn't like kids. There was like middle age. It was like, it's a Beatles song. Right. Like, And this, you know what I learned? England is not as much into the Beatles as we are. Makes sense. They also hate fish and chips. Okay. That's not true. No, but I uh, I found that fascinating. You feel like that makes sense? I do actually. I don't. I can't really explain why. But I, is I, it like Bill Hicks? Is he huge in England? Yeah, he okay. was huge in England, and that was not that big over here. I didn't know that. I mean, that's the only thing I could think of that was like comparable to that. Hasselhoff in Germany, maybe huge. Yeah, maybe. But it's the Beatles. Are they just like ah? Why are the Americans liking this? Yeah, well, yeah, but, yeah. Music. But when the Beatles came up in England, I'm trying to think. Yeah, they, they were they, Beatle they were mania huge. started in England, w- right? But they grew there gradually. I mean, they grew as as a lot of bands grow. Right. Like they played the small clubs in Germany and London or Liverpool, and then they grew right. in a sort of more natural way. But here they came; they were and a phenomenon like right out of the gate. It took over for. I mean, it wasn't even that long, right? It was right. Five, four or five years. But they dominated everything, and then that was it. Whereas there, oh, I see. Maybe it was just a num- like the Stones and the thing, and we just had the Who, and we had just have a number of these bands. I, I don't know. I, also, I was shocked. They're also I, slightly. Well, I don't know. There's also a thing in England that I learned. This is a total sidebar, but that English people don't like people to be too successful that are English. Hmm. They don't. They like you to be like kind of successful, but not too much. Like. That's part of their culture. Right. Something about a poppy field and you can't be too tall. And <laughs> yeah, I, I know this sounds inc- – somebody listening to this will go, yeah, I know what you're talking about. 
Some English guy. Some English guy will do yeah. that. He's right on the money. Yeah, exactly. That's my English guy. <laughs> but uh, no, I was. I enjoyed listening to Matt Besser earlier. He'll enjoy listening to you. No, that was because uh, I was thinking about that song. We were talking about it. Uh, we'll meet again. And that. Vera Lynn. Yeah, that Vera Lynn song. Yeah. Yeah, it's very haunting. Very that. haunting. Okay, now you want to know my favorite song? I do. Before we go? Let's Are do we it. wrapping? We're wrapping it up. That's what I figured. Yeah. Um, the one song that people are like, send me a song, like an uh, MP3 file uh, of a song, because I'm at that stage now. I've, I've gone through the whole thing, from records to cassettes <laughs> your, your to tracks to the CDs. Now I'm all digital. Do not buy. The last CD I bought was um, Lady Gaga's CD. What was the name of that? Um, Fame Monster. The, was it called The Fame Monster? Ooh. Yeah. But not the the re-release, like the original one. And my favorite song off that album, by the way, is called Brown Eyes, just if you want to know. Lady Gaga's Brown Eyes. Yeah, just okay. if you want to know a little about Wayne Federman, that's my favorite song. Okay. I mean, I do like Poker Face, but uh, Brown Eyes like put me over Poker the Face is like sort of America's song. Yeah. Yours is And I like pop songs. I like like I like that song, I Kissed a Girl. Like I, I like pop songs. Yeah. But there's a song, you've never heard of it, called okay. Artificial Flowers. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. It's by Bobby Darren. I'm sure you know that guy from yes. Mac the Knife. Sure. That dude. And that's all I can say. It is the craziest arranged, performed, written song. It's the craziest piece of music. I love it. And everyone I played it to are just like, I can't believe this exists. Bobby Darren's Artificial Flowers. I, don't, I cannot say another word about it. All right, so I just want just to recap today's episode. <laughs> we've got from Wayne Federer, we've got Bobby Darren's Artificial Flowers, Matt Besser, there's a song called 18 Little Tapes, I believe. Something like that. Is that what it was? Matt's looking it up. Matt wrote it down. Hold on. If you're. It's called. Uh, 18 Videotapes by Jason Meadows. Oh, that's... Oh. It's supposed to be very sad. Oh, right, right, right. That's the song from five years ago, right? Right, that's what Bessie yeah. So One Jason day, Meadows, 18 Videotapes, mm-hmm. Wayne Fetterman's uh, Artificial Flowers wow. by Bobby Darren. And, uh, oh, and I've been providing some Nutri-Milk Hotel. Well, thanks, Wayne. You're welcome. Was, this was... Thanks for having me. This was great. I mean, you're welcome. <laughs> um, all right, everybody. So you got those three songs, and... Uh, and uh, thank you very much for listening. We're gonna uh, we're gonna go out here with a little Nutramilk Hotel. And uh, I want to thank again uh, Matt Besser for being on the program. Uh, thanks for bringing out Wayne Fetterman on the show. <laughs> Matt Belknap, of course. And thanks for listening. Out from the dress I took.